I want to take a moment to um, applaud Anchor FM for for somehow staying relevant in my life. Um, I remember when Anchor FM came out, and it was sort of this new way to sort of... Um, it was a new kind of Twitter. It was like, yeah, you can do 20-second voice clips and tell people what's on your brain and drop that. And um, I would say that podcasts were sort of always happening in the background, but maybe they hadn't grown to uh, the hype as they are today. And then, of course, um, like anything, you know, I think when I think about startups and how they get acquired, I think it's always a mix between sort of, it's sort of great tech, but a lot of it's about superior onboarding. So you have this ability to superiorly, really, really, like it's almost like the most important part of your startup in a lot of ways is how you onboard customers. How you can, how easily, you know, how easily can I, you know, stand um, in the foyer of my house, the lobby of my house, and, and, and in front of me there's a glass door, and then, then, then there's the yard, there's the steps down to the yard, and then there's the driveway, and then there's the sidewalk, and then there's the mailbox, and then there's the court that I am actually living in. And then there's, you know, a pretty good amount of distance, and then there's this, you know, the next sidewalk, and there's a house. And the ability for me to basically, you know, wave my hand and have everyone go through all those layers to get to me, and it's effortless, and it's willing, meaning the, the flow is willing, and your onboarding is so good that it's like, it's, it's just... For lack of a better word, it's one big orgasm. It's like, fuck yeah! Like, that's what it is. You know what I mean? And if you can make your startup have this killer, you know, front-loading orgasms experience, that might not be the word, but if you can have, if you can have that, you know what I'm saying? <clears throat> it's really important. And Anchor FM kind of did that in the beginning. They, they onboarded you quickly. They enabled you quickly. Um, and that was, that was one thing that I think made them attractive. And then, of course, the other thing is they were able to retain those folks. So not only did they onboard them quickly into what they were doing, but then they followed it up with, okay, now you really want to stay here. Now, like anyone, it's, I'm sort of an early adopter, Captain Fringe here, living on the edge of the fringe. You know, I test a lot of things. I have a weird thing with social networks, though, and uh, that sometimes I'll totally avoid a social network in, in a way to sort of see if it's really retains this allure of FOMO for back a little bit, lack of a better word. Like Clubhouse, for example, I'm kind of, I know about it. I know how it works. I've seen it. Um, it's also very, uh, it's not newer to me at all. You know what I mean? It's also one of those things where it's like, you know, I mean, we had that in 2008, you know, it just wasn't the right time. You know what I mean? It's like, so... A lot of it, startups, especially in the social network space, you know, I think it's about timing. It's about right timing. Anyways, so a lot of ways I'm sort of like, you know, I'm, I'm giving up Clubhouse for Lent, right? Or I did at least. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think um, I think how they onboarded and then, you know, they, they kept people on their platform. And eventually, they get, I think they get acquired for those two pieces. Now, what's cool is I was, I was um, talking to my friend Mike Eshelman here in Columbus, who has like four podcasts now, um, and I'll list them out here. Uh, and 
tell folks of him. Um, and I was asking him, because I, I know he does a lot of editing, you know, and he, he likes to make a good production. And he has, you know, a bumper before stuff and then something else. And, you know, um, I wanted a producer. I kind of need a producer for my stuff because I have a ton of stuff. and like, I need to organize it and clean it up. And at the same time, you know, I value his time and everything else. So I don't want him to go on a wild goose chase for me, which is not great. Um, I've been looking for tools uh, to help me enable things. And then I came across this Anchor FM thing again. I was like, oh, well, what did Spotify do? Did they acquire the company and destroy it? You know, typically that's what happens. You, um, a big corporation, big startup buys another startup, and then whatever you liked about that startup is gone because they get absorbed into the machine. But in this case, Spotify kind of weaponized Anchor FM. <laughs> they kind of made it a lot better. Um, they made it more expansive, and they made it the onboarding super easy, you know, with this had a really kind of uh, confident narrative that they were giving me on, look, you can do this, this is super easy. One thing I wish the website did was actually show me what the tool could really do. I didn't believe it at first. It almost sounded like it was another, give, it, give me the, uh, you know, input your RSS and we'll distribute it out. You know, I didn't know, I didn't know the app could have all this functionality. In a lot of ways, I didn't even know the app still existed. I had to sort of I had to give them a, I had to trust. In, in some ways, the early, the, that language that Spotify used on their webpage gave me enough to at least research their offer. And so I researched a little bit. And then, um, and then, you know, within 20 minutes, I came to the conclusion that I should try, right? So then I tried. And then the onboarding was not only, um, one, it retained the same you know, information I used before to create an Anchor FM account so that it didn't screw me over there. It respected the fact that I was in the past, so that was a nice thing. Secondly, um, it was super intuitive. It was just like boom, 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 going in. And then it really encouraged me to sort of drop a trailer or create, you know, some piece of content as quickly as possible to establish that this is, in fact, what I thought it could be for me. And that's really rare to have all those things work like that. Um, and then when I start to look at the app, I realize, wow, the app is really pretty cool. Uh, it's actually perfect for what I kind of want to do, which is these kind of audio snippets that come to me and I want to record them and get them down. And, um, and I can still make them sound interesting. It was fun playing with the trailer effect where, you know, you could pick your music. And well, that was, you know, I was listening to myself talk in different types of music is kind of funny. That's why I picked the folks' music, because, you know, we're out here on the farm in the Midwest, out here in the cornfield, thinking about change and cryptography. You know, it's like, like <laughs> the juxtaposition of that is hilarious to me, so all the more reason to do it. Um, yeah, so I'm really impressed with that app. Um, and so far, it's, you know... Um, it's an interesting thing. Let's see how far we can take it. And it might be the right thing for me. Um, I still have other podcasts I'm, I'm working on. Um, the Modest Merlin podcast. I'm going to get back to you. A bunch of people I need to upload to that. And so I'll be talking about that. But I might just uh, sort of surf between these two podcasts for now. And just kind of um, you know, play it by ear. I'm excited though. Anyways, thanks for listening. And uh, I, I welcome any comments or questions or things you'd like me to talk about. Ask. Um, use the site, 
uh, if you can, uh, or find me online, LinkedIn, Dan Rockwell, Big Kitty Labs. Um, you'll, you'll find me and ask me, okay? Thanks. Today I heard a new word, search fund. This guy told me, yeah, man, I'm going to go work. I might go work for the search fund. I was like, search fund, search fund. Like anything on the call, I nodded and said, yeah, of course. Sweet. Well, don't worry about it. We'll still work together. We'll do some cool stuff. And the call ended. And I started to think, what the fuck is a search fund? So here I am searching on the search fund. And it's not, you know, I, I, I don't know. It's not very often I get caught flat-footed on a concept. Jesus, I know. Uh, so here I am. Um, <laughs> all my devices are interacting with me from cats to the Echo. That's just fabulous. Um, but a search fund is an investment vehicle through which an entrepreneur raises funds from investors in order to acquire a company in which they wish to take uh, an active day-to-day leadership role in. In other words, saying it's a Gordon Gecko move. Get a bunch of money, and then let's buy them, and then liquidate them. Um, <laughs> I don't, maybe it's not that. Um, there, are three, there are currently three primary vehicle types a search fund might take. A self-funded search fund, a traditional search fund, and the solo sponsor search fund. Uh, in thinking about search funds in general, I'm going to add a few other... Um, Vehicle types. The Tony Soprano search vehicle. <laughs> and the um, Total Recall search fund. And then finally, the uh, the, the Jack... Uh, who was it, Jack Bauer? Whatever, the guy that did 24. Yeah, that, that search fund. Uh, and I'll explain those later. The Total Recall one, I think, would be the best, which is... Which feature do we want to buy? Da-da-da. Pretty exciting, huh? But yeah, search funds. You know, um, I've been. Th- I guess it's kind of funny. I a friend of mine uh, and I had a had a company idea, which was to basically, um, you know, buy intellectual property from startups that weren't working. Which I'm sure is not necessarily a um, a new business model by any means, but um, it does make you wonder. But, um, anyways, a search fund. Huh. Anyways, there you have it. There's my reflections on a search fund. I'll explain my Tony Soprano version of the search fund later. But until then, that was the thought. You know, a key part of uh, starting up is to make rampant mistakes. In fact, if you're not making enough mistakes, you're not going fast enough. A lot of people argue with me on this stuff. You know, like if you had a plan and if you did it right from the start, you wouldn't have to make mistakes. You'd be, you know, like everyone has hindsight, you know, going into the future. In fact, if you have hindsight going into your future, your business is already gone. So, like, the more you actually are sure that your business is absolutely going to work, the more likely, um, there, you know, there's some flaws in your projection. <laughs> it's not to say that I don't have conviction on future ideas. Like I see future things. I know like that's part of what I think uh, is my secret sauce is my ability to see the future. I think Um, I have so many people that come to me 
uh, that just say, I need my idea, Dan, in your brain for 20 minutes. Can you just tell me what, what I think I see here? And those are fun conversations. Um, a lot of ways I reverse engineer their concept and I let them see other aspects of business models they didn't even see before. So sometimes I'll let them see the, you know, hey, man, I can see the two car accidents are headed your way and hear what they are, you know. And even though you can see the future, ultimately you have to live your future. Like everybody wants to cliff notes on like how to like win. What they don't realize is that until you like have this crazy car accident in your life, uh, in business or in trying or in hustle, there's has to be this moment that happens that you have to feel it and you have to experience it. And only then can you be on the other side of, of starting up in failure, realizing um, the hidden lessons that, that, really, that you really needed to hear. And, and maybe some of them are business and maybe a lot of them aren't. Maybe they're more about you. Maybe they're more about how you were raised or how you want to be perceived. Or maybe they're about who you want to be and what's your legacy and how things go forward. And these are the things that make startup hustlers amazing. You know, uh, I see people talk about, you know, everyone's just trying to make a billion dollars. Every founder I know is on the path to making money, yes. But that's not their mission. Their mission is to build the thing that they really believe in, that they see is needed, change. And if you do good, if you do good work or if you manipulate the system correctly, you can make money. <laughs> I had to put both of those in there because there's a lot of people that can manipulate the system and make money. Uh, and there's a lot of people that do good work and they make money. You know, so. There's my printer. My random printer going off or resetting in the middle of the day. Yet another connected device. It's trying to tell me that I only have two minutes left and I need to get on this next call. Thank you, printer. HP. Alert system. Uh, <laughs> anyways. Yeah, so you need to go fast and you need to, you need to fail more. You know, uh, in fact, if you're not going fast, um, try it. I dare you. Do a 90-day uh, test. Try three ideas in 90 days and then see which one is uh, going the furthest. You know, which idea actually works faster without you watching it every five minutes? You know, that's where you find something really cool. What is this thing doing? I don't know. I have no idea. Anyways, I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll talk to you all later. <laughs> what the hell is that machine doing? <laughs>